Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the start of a new week on Sports Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon, the 3rd of April. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. We were there on Friday, and, man, it looks good. Some of the renovations that they've made to the course are just simply outstanding. The new clubhouse is great. Plan your trip. Make Put it on the calendar for the uh, spring. You can go online to dancingrabbitgolf.com. Book your tee time. Plan a trip. If you don't want to do it online, find the number on their website at dancingrabbitgolf.com and give them a call. They'll be more than happy to uh, help you set up whatever it is that you are looking for. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. You want to be a part of the conversation? We would love to hear from you this afternoon. You can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Check out ceasefire.com for all the deals that are going on right now, whether it's devices or fiber to the home or business internet services. They've got you covered at ceasefire.com. What a sports weekend we had. I mean, a lot going on this past weekend, but it gives way to one of the greatest weeks on the sports calendar of the year. Yeah, XFL Week 7. Yes, that is uh, that is part of the menu of available. I I, I, I have no idea. I'll I'll go with that if if that's what we (laughs) want to call it. I, I will go with Week 7. This is Masters Week. This is National Championship Monday night. This is the first full week of the Major League Baseball season. College baseball is rolling along a little bumpier in some places than others, but uh, rolling along nonetheless. (laughs) And uh, Brian Haydad will, for at least the remainder of this week, bask in the glow of a huge wrestling weekend. All of those things. Yeah. I had a really interesting sports weekend of stuff that I'm interested in. Mm. Like, you know, Chelsea fired their coach yesterday. That was that was something. I had WrestleMania this weekend. Like, stuff that I like. There was a lot going on. Which is funny because, like, at the at the top of your likes are college, is college mm-hmm. football. And we're yes. all on board with that. But our interests go in very diverse directions after number one on the uh, on they the do. list. Michael Borky, a huge basketball fan, big NBA fan, big NFL fan. Yeah, down the stretch in the uh, in the NBA as well. Four games left, three for some. 
uh, yeah. or for others. I mean, th- this is the best week ever. Now, don't look at the weather forecast in Augusta, Georgia. Just be happy that it's Masters Week, and don't yet look at the weather forecast in Augusta, Georgia, because you're not going to like what you see. They're going to play the tournament. They're going to play They'll the tournament. They'll get it in They'll one way or another. We they might have a Monday finish. That's okay. Friday, be, Saturday. Be a bonus next Monday. And Sunday look horrible, which is a shame because I love this week. But, you know, a little delay here and there. That's fine. We'll get to see the best grounds crew in America figure stuff out. So, yeah, man, th- this is – football season is always the best because football is the best. But this week – as a sports fan, is unbelievable. It really is. We've got the national championship tonight, which uh, our friends in Connecticut are being done no favors. Nine thirty Eastern tip off. <laughs> That's a little late. If you got a little Johnny, that, you know, eight nine year old little Johnny that loves his Huskies, he's got to stay up past his bedtime tonight. Going to be a little late for him, but. That's that, cool. Just give him the day off of school tomorrow. I mean, Sorry. You, honestly, you got to be a good parent. If if your kid's favorite team's playing for a championship, you let him take the next day of school off if he has to. That's fine. But th- this week is incredible. The Masters is just the pageantry and the iconography of that tournament is unmatched. Yeah, iconography. What a word! I know. It has to work. Um, of course, baseball in this state. Uh, some better than others, at least on the weekends anyway. My gosh, I mean, you know, Southern Miss gets another series win, and that's great. Uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State won a game. That's better than the first two weekends, so improvement. Yeah, improvement. Yeah, but, I mean, baseball, basketball, national championship, Masters, I mean, all of it. This, as a sports fan, is as close to football season as you can get in terms of Interest and stuff and say that big word again. Iconography. Sure, you're not leaving out a syllable. I don't know. (laughs) The visual images and symbols used in a work of art, or the study or interpretation of these. Yeah, big word for Michael Borch right out of the gate. Iconography, iconography, whatever. That's fair. You know, I, I say if I have a typo in, in some grammar Nazi wants to point it out, I say I'm a teller, not a speller. Well, apparently I'm not a very good teller either. Well, it's okay. It was a big word. It was a, it was a good attempt. <laughs> I was a, trying to do uh, the word of the day thing, man, and, and just swinging a miss, I guess. All right, so Southern Miss gets two of three on the road this weekend against the Troy Trojans, and so that's a good weekend for them. They've now won back-to-back series after losing their first series in Sunbelt Conference play, um, and, and they really just opened it up at the end yesterday. After losing a heartbreaker with a walk-off home run and extra innings on Saturday, they get the series win. And that was uh, it was a good weekend for Southern Miss. We'll talk with Scott Barry coming up in uh, in just a few minutes about the weekend it was for his ball club. Um, Mississippi State got their weekend series started on Thursday. We talked about Thursday's game on Friday's show. Bounced back with a really good win on Friday. Um, I, I'm sorry. On yes, yeah, Friday was on the Friday. win in the series. 13 to 3 the final. Swung the bat well up and down the lineup, got good pitching, played good defense in the ball game. Just did a lot of things really well and you thought, "Oh, uh, oh. Yeah, that that's kind of what we expected to look like on a more regular basis." And then they were in a close game on Saturday 
and then the wheels came off at the end, and it looks like a far more lopsided victory than the game actually was. I mean, the, the, the score is what the score is. I mean, Mississippi State loses that game by nine. They give up 14 runs. But it was the story that kind of has been for a lot of the season, not enough good pitching, and it cost them at the end of the game. And for Ole Miss, they go on the road to College Station, and they have a lead late in the game on Friday night once again, and then get into trouble in the eighth inning, I think it was. Seventh inning. Bottom seven, yeah. Uh, Texas A&M loads the bases without a ball leaving the infield, helped out by a couple of errors in the inning, and then they hit a grand slam. And that turned out to be the difference. Ole Miss bounced back. They played well on uh, on Saturday. They were helped out by a bunch of miscues from Texas A&M. They took advantage, had big hits with runners in scoring position, top of the lineup, did a great job. And then yesterday, once again, had a game that was winnable, and they lost it 5-4. to four. Uh, as uh, Texas A&M gets a home run in the, oh, what was it? I was listening to it. I think it was the eighth inning. Eighth inning, seventh inning. Uh, pull the box score up. It makes it easier. Borky linked it for me right there. That makes it easy. Um, was, was, what am I talking about? It was in the bottom of the ninth. They got the, the two run, the solo home run in the third got them kind of back in the game and woke a sleepy crowd up. And then there was the two runs in the fourth inning that came on another Brent Minnick home run who made his season debut less than a week ago and had a big weekend, and then they got the solo home run in the bottom of the ninth inning to walk it off and get the win. So Ole Miss loses two out of three on the road. I mean, they get the monkey off their back, just like Mississippi State does, in terms of winning a game, and there's not a goose egg sitting there in terms of conference wins, but the hole is very, very deep for both the Rebels and the Bulldogs, and there is so much work to be done. I don't mean over the remainder of the season. I mean there's so much to be done, work to be done over the next three weeks. Yeah. If this game is going to be competitive, or this, the the season is going to be competitive down the stretch. And, and now for Ole Miss, you've got it, different issues. I mean, the first couple of weeks, it's ah, I just didn't pitch it well enough. You know, the, the Saturday doubleheader against Florida, you know, you score seven and eight runs. You just didn't pitch it well enough. You should win those games. Same thing in Nashville. I just didn't pitch it very well. Not the case this weekend. Doherty gave them enough to win on Friday, and, and they got a, enough to win from Quinn on Sunday. They played bad defense. That led to that grand slam. If they just play clean defensive baseball, A&M doesn't score in that inning, let alone score four runs to take the lead. I had a good day offensively in Game 2, of course, but then Sunday the offense disappeared. And so it when pitching was okay, defense was bad. Or when pitching was okay, offense was bad. It's just they are they're doing everything wrong at different spots right now. If they put it all together, then they have a chance to turn it around and become a pretty decent baseball team. But until they do, they're going to keep losing series that they should win. Yeah. Yeah, you're uh, you're right, and so Ole Miss finds themselves one and eight in conference play, sixteen and eleven overall. Mississippi State also finds themselves one and eight in conference play. Both the Bulldogs and the Rebels have Thursday, Friday, Saturday series coming up this weekend. So that kind of sets the table. Of course, we'll get into the national championship game matchup tonight with my with uh, UConn who is a, uh, a favorite, and almost like if you listen to people talk, almost like it's a foregone conclusion that UConn is going to win this game. They have been the best and the most dominant team in this year's NCAA tournament. Tonight they will try to get their fifth national title. 
We'll unpack the weekends. Scott Berry will join us on the Farm Bureau phone line when we come back. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, just getting started on this Monday afternoon. Sports Talk. This is sports Talk. Mississippi. Woo-hoo! I say sports fans. Now, here's more on Super Talk Mississippi. Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Scott Berry joins us after uh, kind of an interesting week for Southern Miss baseball. It got started back on Tuesday night when Southern Miss and Ole Miss played in Pearl, or at least tried to play in Pearl. They played for a little while. Uh, that game ultimately declared a, a no contest because of the field conditions. And then a uh, road series win. They go to Troy and they win on Friday, four to one, losing extra innings on Saturday, five to four, and then uh, blew it open late yesterday for a thirteen to three win. Uh, you, you've seen a little bit of everything, Coach. You've been around baseball long enough. Let, let's just start with that Tuesday night game. We haven't had a chance to talk to you since that. Um, that's one of those things that for everybody in the moment, it's frustrating when you step back from it. And I guess you even said this after the game, that was the right decision for everybody, wasn't it? Well, it really was. It was unfortunate for both programs because they were really competing and they really wanted to play. And, uh, you know, I liked, I liked the way we were playing and I think coach Bianco would say the same with, with his club and with a lot of game left to play, but man, I hate it for the fans that, that, showed up and was expecting to see uh, another good game that, that's played there once a year between both ourselves and, and Ole Miss. And to have it cut short, I knew it was not going to be uh, a fan favorite for sure, but um, out of safety for the players and just what we have in front of us, our seasons, uh, you know, it was, it was certainly the right decision to make. Will you and Mike have a conversation at some point down the line about whether or not playing a game at a neutral site is the best way to do it versus just playing maybe two games in, in one place or the other or just going home and home every year? Uh, we may. You know, nothing has been discussed or, or, you know, even talked about of that. So, you know, that may be something in the future. Uh, you know, I really like playing at Trustmark. I think um, when we play there and we play Ole Miss and we play State, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of fans that are in that area that don't get the opportunity to travel north to their place or south to ours. So I think it's you know, I think it's a, it's a great place. It's just unfortunate this particular evening the, the field was not playable and it was not in good shape. Tanner Hall on Friday night. Wow. Um, nine innings. He throws 113 pitches, scatters six hits in the game, gave up one earned run. That came in the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, had six strikeouts. I mean, just as good as you could be for a Friday night to, to start a series. Yeah, he was really dominant, Richard. I'll tell you, from the first pitch on, I really liked the way that he was competing. He was in the zone. He was getting a lot of ground ball action early in the count. And, you know, along with that nine innings of outstanding pitch baseball, you had nine innings of really good defense behind him, too. With only six strikeouts, you know, there were a lot of other outs that had to be made by guys behind him, and, and they certainly were. So thought it was a great team effort, great win on the road uh, against a really good RPI team. Uh, the best in our conference is what they told me at the time. 
you know, Slade Wilkes, uh, you know, he, he hits a three run homer there in the eighth and that pretty much nailed it as, as car or as, uh, as Tanner gave up a home run at the bottom of the eighth, but went out in the ninth and, and really took care of business with, uh, with facing four hitters there in the ninth. One guy got a base hit, but that was about the only thing that they got there after that. Scott, it's interesting to me that you use the word dominant to describe his performance because so many times when we hear dominant pitching performance, that, that means we're looking at the box score and we see 12 strikeouts in a game. But Tanner Hall's not always that guy. Sometimes it's pitching to contact, but doing so in a way that you, you kind of know what you're going to get with the contact, I, I guess. Well, Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah, most definitely. You know, I think with uh, with strikeouts, obviously you don't bring defense into play other than the catcher being able to catch it, uh, unless it's a ball in the dirt that he has to block and throw to, to, to first base. But you know, I think when you when you when you pitch into contact, particularly early in the count, and you can get those outs and you can keep the pitch counts down, then that's in your favor of being able to run the table and uh, being able to throw that CG, which he did on Friday with 113 pitches. So. A lot of ground ball action there early in the count enabled him to, to complete game. And, of course, what that does is, is that keeps your whole staff ready for the next two games. And and I've got to believe that you felt good going into the bottom of that eighth inning with the lead and cross Sibley in the game with as good as he's been for you, and it just didn't work out. They get the two runs in the eighth, and then they hit the walk-off home run in the bottom of the tenth in, in Saturday. Yeah, but, but you know, Richard, we just let them hang around. I mean, we were up four to nothing uh, after, after the top of the third. We scored two more runs there in the third. They answered with one in the bottom of the third, but – you know, we just let them hang around, and you know, I kept saying, "You can't let them hang around. Let them, let them have a feeling they can get back in it." And that's exactly what they were able to do. They scratched for one there in the sixth, but then they got us for two in the eighth. And uh, you know, there was a big hit by pitch in there that played into that inning there in the eighth. So, but you know, credit Troy. I mean, they stayed the course. They kept us off the board, and uh, they were able to scrap. Good offensive club, and they and they made it happen late and ended up beating us there uh, in, in extra innings on a walk-off home run. So, so tell me about yesterday's game. So, you, It feels maybe like there's a little bit of momentum for, for Troy going into Sunday after the, the dramatic win, and then they score three in the bottom of the first, and, and then it kind of stays that way, and you have the big fifth inning where you put five on the board, and even at six to three going into the ninth, it's still very much a game, and then you guys just absolutely explode for the seven runs in the ninth. Right, you know, after the first inning, I really wasn't in a good place to be honest with you. We didn't have a good top, didn't have a good top of the first. You know, we had three strikeouts. Dickerson hit a double off off their off their wall in right field, which is their field is exactly opposite of Fenway, where Fenway's short and left with a big wall. Troy's field is short and right with a big wall. It's three oh one down the line, so anything hit in the air that way, you just kind of hold your breath if you're on defense. But you know, we were able to uh, to do to them just what they did to us in Saturday. They let us hang around. They were up three runs, and they let us hang around. And we finally took advantage of it there in the in the fifth inning. And uh, you know, it started with a walk. Matt Russo, our first baseman, who uh, who was implementing the lineup because I had to set Sarge due to the uh, suspension from uh, the Georgia Southern game. You know, he gets it started with a the walk. There's an error that's built in there. There's some good situational. 
uh, hitting that took place. Slade hits another three-run homer, and the next thing you know, we go from being down three nothing to to up five to three. So, but I think the turning point in that game was no doubt it was in the third inning when Isaiah Rhodes inherited runners at first and second. We're down three to nothing uh, with one out, and he got back-to-back K's in relief of Mazza. And then in the fifth inning, uh, Rhodes goes out there and, and unfortunately gives up a couple of walks after a leadoff out. And uh, Billy Oldham comes in, inherits the same situation Isaiah did in the third, first and second. Nobody out, gets back-to-back K's. So, you know, credit those two individuals for being able to kill any momentum that Troy was trying to, to gather against us. And then, obviously, give our offense a lot of credit for being able to uh, go ahead and put it away, particularly there in the ninth. But the run in the eighth was big to, to put it a three-run game. But, you know, you're never safe in that park. The wind was blowing out, short porch and right. But when we scored those seven in the ninth, that pretty much sealed it. So you mentioned the the Sarge suspension. You had to take care of that. Have you gotten all of that out of the way? I know you have the ability to kind of stagger those, or is there some that you've still got to handle? I've got two more, and they will okay. be handled the next the next two games. I'll do one each game. So I've had to do it consecutive games. So uh, we've got we've got two to go. So we'll do one tomorrow, and then we'll do one at Old Dominion on Thursday, and then we'll be off the board. There you go. Well, it'll be good to get that uh, that behind you. A little bit of a challenging week. Tuesday night game, road series on the weekend that begins on Thursday, playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday because of Easter weekend. And oh, by the way, you're going to Old Dominion, who's currently tied with Coastal for first place in the uh, in the league standings. Yeah, really playing well. You know, like you said, we've got to get past Southeastern Louisiana tomorrow night, who uh, sixteen and twelve, and so we'll. we'll Try to win that ball game, and then we'll fly up to uh, Norfolk, Virginia, on on Wednesday and play a Thursday, Friday, Saturday uh, series against Old Dominion, who's twenty two and six, seven and two in conference, and really playing well. They went on the road this past weekend and took two out of three from Georgia Southern, who we were able to win the series at home the week four last. So, uh, you know, anxious to anxious to get this week going and and see uh, how we meet this challenge because it's going to be a challenging week for sure. A lot of baseball left. Just, Coach, final thing, kind of a, a quick thought as you look at the league standings. ODU and Coastal Carolina both at 7-2. and two. you got Louisiana and App State both at 6-3. and three. You and Texas State and Georgia Southern all at 5-4. and four. This thing's pretty wide open at this point, isn't it? It is. It is. And, you know, it's like every year, it's going to change week to week. And, uh, you know, I was surprised by some of the uh, – some of the games and how the series went this this weekend. You know, App State goes to Lafayette and wins two out of three on the road. Arkansas State, let me tell you, they played three one-run games against Texas State out there, which is not an easy place. We lost the series, but, uh, you know, they did win one and could have very well easily swept that series. And then, of course, Old Dominion going to uh, – to Georgia Southern and winning two out of three. I thought that was a statement that they made as well. But good league, a lot of parity, but a lot of baseball to go. A lot of baseball to go. Scott, always appreciate your time on Monday afternoons. My pleasure, Richard. Thank you. That's Scott Perry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss. They went on the road and took two of three from Troy this weekend. Southern Miss is five and four in the league. You got Troy at four and five in the league. So at five and four, you are two games out of first place. But you're headed to one of the two teams that is in first place, Old Dominion at 7-2, and two, Coastal Carolina at 7-2 and two as well. Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll be back with you after this. 
Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. It is going to go by in a hurry. When you think about national championship game tonight, midweek baseball tomorrow, and then series that get started all over the place on Thursday, and we'll do this later in the week, but I, I don't know if you guys have peeked at the the schedule this weekend for SEC baseball. You have two series that are absolutely massive in terms of ranked versus ranked. And then you've got two series that are almost do or die. And then you got a couple of series that, I mean, here they are. Kentucky's at Georgia. So Georgia's one and eight. And Kentucky at this point is officially the surprise team in the Southeastern Conference. They are eight and one in league play. Florida at Tennessee, top 10 matchup, or top 11 matchup, depending on what poll you're looking at. Vandy's at Missouri. So Missouri, after sweeping on the opening weekend, sweeping Tennessee at home on the opening weekend, they've lost six straight in the league. That's the Missouri we know and love. Number one LSU. It's number one LSU, despite being 6-3 and three in the league and having an undefeated team in the league and two 8-1 and one teams in the league, still number one nationally. At number six, South Carolina. Texas A&M at Auburn. That one's important because both of those teams are sitting at three and six, and one of them has a chance with a series win just to kind of like climb right back in the mix in the West. And then the two that are do or die this weekend, Mississippi State at Alabama. Alabama competitive in all three games against Arkansas, but they lost the series. And State's got to go on the road. And for Ole Miss, huge challenge, right? When you got Arkansas sitting there at six and three, ranked fifth in the country, headed to Oxford to take on Ole Miss, and Ole Miss just has complete backs against the wall, no wiggle room. Yeah. They 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 must they, they gotta win the series. They do. They, I think they have to win four of their next six uh, to get back into they can make the postseason conversation. Uh with Arkansas at home and, and on the road at Mississippi State, who is also as we have well documented, struggling. If they're going to get "quote unquote" back in it, you, you got to win four of these next six SEC games. Have to. Hey, it states in the exact the same spot, right? Yeah the the RPI situation right now is really weird. If you've looked at it, like all three teams in this state, Southern is forty two, State's forty six, Ole Miss is fifty. Only one of those teams would make the postseason, though, as it, as it stands. That's the way we're going. Southern can get there. They're going. They're probably going to continue to win Sun Belt games, and they'll be in, in somebody's regional. State and Ole Miss. I mean, yeah, the RPI is good, but it doesn't matter. You know, it's because states played Kentucky, who's number one in the RPI. Uh, Vanderbilt, who I, I without looking, is I assume is top five, and South Carolina is probably pretty close to that as well. Kentucky, Miss, well, Kentucky kind of one, South Carolina five, Vanderbilt nine. I'm surprised South Carolina is higher than Vanderbilt, but that's fine, whatever. So, yeah, you know, it's about wins and losses for Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Southern just needs to keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. 
Hey, Ed, your thoughts on the the weekend for Mississippi State? We talked briefly about it in the in the first seg- yeah. segment. I mean, Thursday night frustrating. Chris Lamonis gets run. They lose the game. Friday night, man, it's like, wait, that's what this team can be against a good team with good starting pitching. I mean, State chased starters for South Carolina early in both the second and third games of the weekend. Yeah. I thought that, you know, you had a lot of good Friday. Obviously, you put runs on the board. You played solid defensively. Cade Smith came back and looked tremendous. Getting him mm-hmm. back is a big deal. Was I thought was going to be a big deal for Mississippi State. <coughs> Excuse me. But everything that you did good Friday, you kind of just let get away on Saturday. And all the momentum that you had just there sort of went out of that balloon when you you know you have a four three lead going into the seventh inning and your bullpen completely gives it away, and then you see the the the, the same old Mississippi State giving up fourteen runs. Relievers unable to get an out, defensive lapses, and not making the, the the key hit at the key time. So it was. It was, I felt like I feel like that Friday game will be one we look back and just go, well, "That was a good one at the time," but it didn't really mean anything. Hmm. Do you see enough fight in this team for Mississippi State? To, I think, to to put a a little bit of a stretch together over the next few weeks to give themselves a chance. No, and that's not a fight thing. I think I think they'll play hard. I think they're trying. They haven't given up. I just think they have so many holes and they and they just play so poorly that I don't expect them to start winning games out of out of out of, out of nowhere. Hmm. I had a little bit of a loss. Right? I mean, we're gonna we're, we're scheduled to talk to Chris Lamonis in the in the four o'clock hour. We'll schedule to talk with Mike Bianco in the five o'clock hour. And I mean, it's it's clearly got to be frustrating for both of those coaches right now because they're doing everything they possibly can. They're trying all of the different things and trying to punch all the different buttons to figure it out, and they just keep making mistakes that it feels like are avoidable. Like you can overcome some mistakes, but you don't want to have to try to keep overcoming the same mistakes or having the same issues. And Borky kind of pointed to Ole Miss as well. I mean, Mike Bianco, and, and, and you could you could very much get frustrated if you wanted to, and, and we know that fans have done it before, right? When you hear a coach, you go, well, we just got to play better. But Mike Bianco, after yesterday's game, he's like, I mean, yeah, close game, and they hit it, and... JT was pretty good. He said, like, "We got to play better, though," and that's what he's trying to figure out. That's what Chris Lamonis has said to us on numerous occasions over the last couple of weeks. We got to play better. Hey, hey, Dad, I, I did think that Chris Lamonis sounded different after Saturday's game. Like, if you rewind a week, you talk to or, or a couple of weeks, I guess the Vandy series. That's two weeks ago, whatever. Um, and he was he was lost and frustrated and searching for answers. When I say lost, I don't mean that in a negative way. It's like broken almost. After Saturday's loss to South Carolina, he was mad. 
Or at least it seemed yeah. like that was the emotion. That definitely was the emotion. He, he, he's, you know, he's frustrated. You know, I think one of the things that fans, you know, don't understand or are, the, you know, they don't get sometimes is that just because the coach doesn't come into the press conference and just drop F-bombs and, and you know, overturn the table doesn't mean he's not mad. You know, Chris Chris Lamonis is is not sitting at home going, ah, I won a national title two years ago. I'm good. They're not going to do anything. He's not doing that. And he's a competitor. You don't play college athletics and coach in college athletics without wanting to be a winner. You know, so he's obviously just as frustrated as the fans are, but he has to put on that, that you know, that happy face isn't the right word, but he has to sit has there to and answer questions and be a pro- be professional, exactly. You know, he can't just get up there and, and rant and rave. So, but Saturday was the first time they, I didn't, I'm not going to say he ranted and raved by any stretch of the imagination, but you started to see some of that anger of like, you know, we, especially because he, his team played so well on Friday. He, he, he made it, he said it sometimes like, I, we're so close, we're so close. I don't know if I necessarily agree with him, but he thinks his team is, is close to figuring some things out. And two weeks from now, Borky, you alluded to it. You have a series that, I don't know, it's almost like an elimination series in Starkville, Super Bulldog weekend with Mississippi State hosting Ole Miss. There's a chance it can be. Um, I mean, both teams have to win that series, right? For State, though, the schedule is getting much tougher. If Ole Miss can survive, not survive, they have to win games. There's no surviving. They have to win the next couple of series. You get a break with Georgia. You get a break seemingly now with Missouri. You know, Alabama's better than some Alabama teams of the past, but it's, it's a winnable series there as well. Now you have to deal with the, the death star that is LSU, but it happens to be at home. So gives you a, at least a better chance to... to, to it, the, and LSU's this, not sweeping anybody. No, they're is, not. Which is crazy, right? I mean, like each weekend somebody's getting one from them. Yeah, which is... Despite this lineup that's like... Murderer's Row and, you know, the second coming of Roger Clemens and Paul Skeens and all of that stuff. They spent all their salary cap on the point guard and the forward, and the the sixth and seventh men off the bench aren't very good, and they get beat in the, the off wrong, wrong sport. Yeah. Tale as old as time, though. I mean, that's that's what's happening here. Uh, the, the Yankees have a bigger salary cap than them, and they're pretending to be the Yankees. But point being, it's... the the. The games that follow that series are different for either team. It's a tougher road for State. Objectively, just a far more difficult road after that series for State than it is Ole Miss uh, to pile wins up because of who they have to play and then where they have to play them. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi, we will begin the 4 o'clock hour with winners and losers. You can be thinking about that, but when we come back, we'll wrap up this 3 o'clock hour Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Nothing brings people together and forms a lasting bond like sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your favorite teams like no one else. On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station.
Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. We, uh, we crowned a women's national champion yesterday. LSU, year number two for Kim Mulkey at LSU. She inherited a program that won nine games the year before her arrival. Last year they won 26. This year they won a national championship, the first in school history. By the way, I have less than zero interest in getting into a debate about who was right, Angel Reese or Caitlin Clark, in terms of taunting or celebrating or trash-talking or whatever. Here's here's a news flash. It's high-level sports. Trash is talked. I don't care the gender. Happens. Whatever. Caitlin Clark wants to talk trash. She scored what? 190 points over the course of six games of the tournament. Talk all you want. You earned it. Angel Reese wants to talk trash, goes out and gets a double-double in the national championship game. Okay. Go for it. I don't care. Don't really care what Kim Mulkey was wearing, whether it was Queen of Sparkles or New Bern or whatever. It's her thing. How about the way that game was played, though? Unless you dominated... Iowa never really completely faded. They had the 15-2 to run, what, in the third quarter to get it down to single digits, but LSU answered, LSU responded. And I don't know, I thought it was pretty cool to see 100 points scored in a national championship game by the winning team. They made shots. They had a lot of shots. Yeah. Kim Mulkey drives me nuts. I, I the. The look at me, look at me, everybody look at me is not something that a leader should do, but obviously something's working. She's done that since she was a player. I I, I don't know about the look at me, look at me thing, but she has been brash and outspoken since she was a player at Louisiana Tech. Yeah. And it has served her quite well. It's working out. I mean, she's a multi championship winner at this point. So four championships with two programs. Joke's on me, I guess. I just. Man, not your jam though. No, draw attention to your players, not yourself. You're, you're the coach. That's what you're supposed to do. But anyway, big big television numbers. Is it, wait, is it because of the way that she coaches, the way that she interacts, or just because of what she wears? It, it's what, and then what she gets away with. She reminds me of Draymond Green. She is able to get away with more because everybody knows she's a pain in the you know what. Kim Mulkey's a pain in the you know what. And so she is allowed to make contact with officials and nothing happened to her. Draymond Green is a pain in the you-know-what. And, and he's loud and, and he speaking of trash talk, my gosh. And, and so he gets away with stuff where he can run up to refs and yell at them and, and be theatrical where other guys would get teed up and punished. But Draymond gets away with it. Because you know that's just Draymond. Kim Mulkey made... Intentional contact with an official while she is three steps onto the court yesterday. And nothing happened. Why? Because you know she acts like that, and so she gets away with it. It's crazy. But, again, joke's on me because she wins basketball games, and so it it must work. But you, you don't have to conduct yourself that way and win games. You don't have to get everybody to pay attention to you with your goofy outfits and win games. That's That's not – you don't have to do that. There are a lot of people that like the sparkles, like the feathers. Oh, there are a lot of people that like it because, anyway, it doesn't matter. Point is, her team should be the the focal point. Good coach. 
good coaches hey, Ed, do what a if lot we of bad got stuff. What you a, uh, a sequin tiger stripe sport coat? I'd wear it. I think I could pull that off. I think you could. Yeah. No question, you, actually. Yeah. We should look into that. Queen of sparkles. It's tough I to find that the, in a 64 extra fat, but okay. Yeah, well, well, maybe be custom made, Mister Ric Flair. It would be custom made. There's no getting around the fact that if I'm wearing a sequined tiger stripe suit jacket, that I didn't get it off the rack. Yeah. By the way, I, I learned. Well, never mind. Whatever doesn't matter. The uh, the the feather jacket. There's actually a kind of an interesting story from USA Today. I think Blake Topmeyer wrote it about the fashion choices and how those have come about. That was never supposed to be like a for consumers sport like blazer for women. It was supposed to be a runway piece for a fashion line that's based out of New Orleans or Baton Rouge, New Bern. Um, and same neighborhood designer and the Mulkies and somebody found it and saw it and was like, oh, coach needs that, and now she's wearing it on the sideline. So, there you go. That's probably all I care about on fashion front. Do you care about winners and losers? Because that's how we will start the 4 o'clock hour. What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? We need some of yours. I want to hear from you on the ceasefire text line at 601 879 Four three nine five. We will be right back. We are Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi. No yawning, hey Dad. We've got two hours left. No yawning. Those things are contagious. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Check them out and learn more online at PearlRiverResort.com. You can be a part of the conversation on the Ceasefire text line. 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire. Backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in Seaspire country. Check them out online at seaspire.com slash business. Do you stay up too late on WrestleMania? No. No, you're just boring. Oh. Boom, roasted. Yes. <laughs> You know what's not boring, though, is our good friends at Seaspire and Pearl River Resort, which was the time in if I was, like, on some soliloquy of nonsense, never mind. Just messing with you. What do you say we do some winners and losers? All I do is win. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. 
What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? That's how we classify our winners and losers. Borky, give me a winner. Uh, a couple. One sports, one not sports. So there was a train derailment in Montana at the Clark Fork River. Now, that's not the winner part. But that's nobody, good. Nobody was, nobody was hurt or injured or anything. It was a, a cargo train. <laughs> that derailed right as they got out of a tunnel along the banks of this, uh, what looks like a beautiful river. Great mm-hmm. part of the country up there. The winner is the three people that got on their rowboat and paddled out on, on the river, got up to the train derailment. Why would they do that? Because it was carrying coarse light and blue moon. And there were hundreds of cases scattered along the banks of this river. And they were loading up their paddle boat <laughs> filled with beer. And there's a picture of one of them. Uh, I guess he notices the photographer. He's turned around. He's holding the beer in his head. He's got this gigantic smile on his face as they raided the tr- the beer train derailment at the Clark Fork River in Montana. And they look exactly like the people you would think looked like at the Clark Ford Clark Fork River in Montana. Just an mm. excellent photograph. That's a uh, potential uh, potential remake of Smokey and the Bandit here. We're sending them down the river this time. Yeah, except for with beer. The picture. So I mean, there are just cases of beer along the bank of this river. Just did you just say except for beer? The whole premise of oh, Smokey yeah, and the Bandit but, is beer. Yeah, who but, said that? I did. I think Borky said it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No. I my my question though, the follow up question though is, uh, is everything cool with them? Nobody's like come after them and saying they they stole beer. They have to return it, or or you know, Tiger Stadium security's got footage of them. They're going to be arrested tomorrow morning, <laughs> or I- any of this stuff. Not not as far as I know, uh, but. It looks like all the cases, like, like they're not usable. Like they're all broken and uh, and bottles are broken and stuff. So it's not like they can just put them back on the train and ship them off to wherever they were going anyway. Uh, and it's not exactly a big rowboat, so I don't think like grand theft would be on the table here okay. or anything like that. My real, I, winner, I mean, maybe though, maybe they're our heroes for like helping clean up the river and make sure that pollution. Yeah. It they, doesn't occur. They, they were just getting trash out of the river and taking it home and putting it in a fridge and enjoying it later. I, I mean, the, you know, they're, they're helping out. Hey, what uh, do you care what I do with garbage? Just, I'm getting it out of your way. Andrea Lignell's the the sports winner of the weekend, though. The old Miss golfer from Sweden. She finished third, solo third in the Augusta Women's Amateur, which is a really cool event. I watched a good bit of that. Actually, just because I mostly because I love uh, Augusta National, and anytime there's a tournament being played at Augusta National, I'll, I'll watch. But but she played well, and the weather delay helped a, a little bit. Uh, all of the leaders were kind of like shell shocked, I guess would be the phrase that I would use. Early weather stopped play; they were much better after the weather delay. But uh, awesome finishing top three. Mm-hmm. at the women's amateur and low key one of the great logos in sports the masters logo is iconic but the augusta women's amateur logo with the magnolia with the flag coming out it's a pretty sweet it, it rivals the masters logo i'm not gonna lie it's a good looking logo so all around awesome performance and shout out to her yeah it's really good and she played well uh and and it got started on thursday 
Um, there are actually three Ole Miss women golfers that, that played in it. She was the only one that uh, made the cut. It was top 30 in ties, I guess, that uh, got to play. I got everybody that was, what, there were 70 players, I think, total that were part of the Augusta National Women's Amateur. They played the, uh, the first two days at Champions Retreat, and then they take the top 30, and they go and they play in the, the final round at Augusta on Saturday. It was really cool. And then you have drive, chip, and putt yesterday. I, I, I mean, I love what the folks at the Masters have done in going from, oh, it's just a golf tournament Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, to the growth of the par three. The practice rounds are such a deal. And now they actually wrap it into the week before with with the women's amateur and uh, and drive, chip, and putt. It's, it's just cool. It's just that everything about it is just cool. So, hey, Dad, give me a winner. You sort of got to go with UConn. I know the game is tonight, and then you know that's going to be the ultimate decision. But somehow UConn, without any real fanfare, has become the dominant college basketball program of the last couple of decades. You know, they're going mm-hmm. for their fifth national title, which would be more than anybody else. It got me to thinking about the Giants back in, in the 2010 decade. You know, they won three World Series, but were they ever a dynasty? That was like a debate for a while. I, I never really thought they were a dynasty. Now, I don't think anybody would call UConn a dynasty, but this is a program now, they're kind of like the LSU of college basketball. It doesn't really matter who the coach is. They just win national titles there. So it's a fun story. I think that's, that's something that's cool about a program that, you know, kind of flies under the radar with your Kansases and North Carolinas and Dukes of the world, but the numbers are right there with them. I mean, would you rather be UConn or would you rather be Gonzaga? I'd rather be UConn. Yeah. I mean, UConn, some highs and lows, and five trophies if they win tonight. Gonzaga, no trophies, but just an absolute model of consistency. I'll take the trophies. Yeah. I mean, you would prefer not to bottom out immediately following a trophy win, but you don't want to give the trophies back. But if another trophy win is is coming down the road, then all good. Wins in December are nice, but that's all they are. Well, how about the fact that when UConn gets to the title game, they win? Yeah. Yeah. Four trips to the championship game. Four trophies for UConn. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi will get to your winners and losers a little bit later in this 4 o'clock hour. Chris Lamona is scheduled to join us on the other side of uh, this break on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Um, I know we talked about it earlier, but even though she's not Borky's favorite, Kim Mulkey is kind of a winner of the highest order. It's her fourth national championship. She trails only Gino Ariema and Pat Summit. Gino Ariema's got 11 national titles. Pat Summit's got eight. Both of those coaches did it at one school. She's done it at two. Three women's basketball national championships at Baylor, and now one in just her second year at LSU. Regardless of the whole women's basketball generating revenue, whatever. LSU made a commitment. Scott Woodward made a commitment to women's basketball when he went out and hired Kim Mulkey and paid her a boatload of money. And it took her a grand total of two seasons to give them a full return on investment. And that was LSU's 50th team national championship across all of its sports. So she is uh, she's a winner of the highest order. What about a loser? We want to sneak a loser in before the break? Anybody? Sure. Yes, hey, Dad, give me a yeah, loser I, before the break. 
you weren't going to get out of this without some wrestling. But Shane McMahon coming back last night and then immediately tearing his quad uh, right there for the whole world to see and having to embarrass himself and becoming the second big man to be drug out of the ring because they tore their quad uh, in, in wrestling history. Fantastic. Great work, Shane. Why don't you just stay retired? Nobody wants to see you anyway. Is he a wrestler or an executive? He doesn't even work for WWE anymore. They fired him. So why did he come and get Because they decided to give him a spot. And rather than give it to some deserving guy who you know works hard, they gave it to one guy who's going to show up once a year, and he got in the ring, and they had to carry him out of there. Ooh. Thank God for Snoop Dogg. He, uh, he, uh, he saved the day. Was Snoop Dogg great? Oh, he was fantastic. Was the whole event pretty good? Yeah, I thought so. Top start to finish. I, I was a big fan. Hey, don't give me the whole I'm going to get it in one way or the other. I was going to ask you about WrestleMania, and, and I will because I, I got mm-hmm. questions. Um, my sure. little bit of Twitter sampling late last night doesn't seem to fill in all the, the, the answers to all the questions for me, so we'll do that later. Chris Lamont is coming up next on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say it. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio on this uh, Monday afternoon. National Championship game coming up tonight. And uh, San Diego State, a five seed, is meeting UConn, a four seed. And as Borky told you earlier, we have an 8.20 central time tip-off. So uh, you may have to stay up a little bit later than you originally perhaps would have planned on a Monday night if you want to make this uh, all the way to the end, but you've got that. Uh, this past weekend, Mississippi State hosted South Carolina in Starkville, three-game series. Bulldogs lost the first game in the series, won the second game, and lost the third. And Coach uh, Chris Lamonis joins us right now on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau I was just thinking about emotions, like in terms of range of emotions, and I'm wondering if it was just like all across the board for you this weekend, you know, disappointed maybe in the outcome of the first game, really pleased with the way your team played in game two, and then thought I heard some, some yeah, legitimate anger after the third game as well. Yeah, it probably uh, every range of emotion, and I lost my voice from my, you know, cheering, yelling, yelling at the umpire, just a little bit of everything this weekend. I did want to ask you Thursday night, was your frustration when you got the, the early exit with a previous call that kind of carried over into that at bat, or did it have more to do with the, the emotion for the, the base runner? Well, it was more about we felt we struck the guy out. So that yeah. was the, you know, and then, you know, then the next pitch is a home run. So it's, you know. That was kind of where the emotion was coming from. So they, uh, you know, it's we got that new automated. It's not an automated strike zone, but it, it evaluates umpires, and it's just gotten to be 
tend to be small. I mean, it's a smaller strike zone, you know, for the kids. So it's, you know, we felt like we threw one in there. And obviously always balls and strikes is, you know, it's non-negotiable. And you get thrown out when you argue them, and I got thrown out. Yeah. The the Saturday game, or the uh, game two, the Friday night game, I thought you guys played so well, and there were so many positives that came out of that, including Cade Smith coming back and, and giving you what he gave you. Was that the glimpse that you had been waiting to see, but then you're trying to figure out how to replicate that and carry it forward? Well, I think so. I just think it gives us more arms and more opportunities. You know, um, you know, we'll get more out of him this weekend, more out of him the following weekend, trying to get him back. He's probably about two weeks from being a, you know, at full pitch limit, you know, but uh, we need him out there. One, he's a really good pitcher, but two, his leadership and his, you know, he, he's so aggressive and attacking that hopefully our other pitchers will see that and follow behind him. And then it lets everybody bump back a spot. You know, I think that really helps out too. Coach, we saw Dakota Jordan have an absolutely monster week, great weekend as well. You know, when we've seen him play, you can see the ceiling on this kid and, and how talented he is. But he had to, he had some struggles there. What did sitting on the bench do for him? Did it allow him to sort of slow the game down a little bit and, and see things he wasn't seeing before? I just think it pissed him off for the most part. I mean, he wasn't happy to not be playing. He understood it, but he just, you know, he worked really hard. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a big stage. And for, you know, his background in baseball, being that he was a football guy and he did so much football too that, you know, over time, I mean, just, you know, it was, it was just a lot early. And, and uh game kind of got sped up on him. And, you know, he went to the bench a little bit, worked a little harder, figured out some things. And then, you know, he's been really, really good this last week. I mean, he's an he's a ultra-talented player, as good as you'll find. Coach, I love the game of baseball, but I would tell you, I'd be the first one to tell you, I don't understand the nuances of the game of baseball. But I know enough about it to know that what's happening with your pitching staff, there's a disconnect somewhere between what your staff, what Scott Foxhall is telling those guys, and then what's actually happening out there on the mound. Where do you feel that disconnect is, and how can you correct it? Well, I think it's a little bit, you know, we lost some confidence early. And, you know, it's coming down to, you know, throwing enough strikes in, in right situations for the most part. I mean, we get hit at times, so I don't even mind getting hit at times. I, I mind lead-off walks in the seventh and eighth inning. You know, I, you know those are things that have, that have hurt us and, and, and not being aggressive in the zone. And, you know, our group's gotten punched in the nose, and the challenge is to fight back and, and to be aggressive and to go after hitters. And, um, you know, we did a better job of that this weekend. I mean – we lose 6-4 on Thursday, and, you know, we have an opportunity multiple times to, to, to get some runs. And then even on Saturday, it's you know, it's 4-3 in the seventh, you know, after Dakota's home run, and we're just not finishing out the game. And so we, we have to do a better job. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been like the last month of last year and then the beginning of this SEC season. We just we, we got to pitch more competitively. I know you're short on voice, so we'll let you go after this, Coach, and we appreciate always your time on Monday. Just kind of a thought on the, the week ahead, a game tomorrow night against Grambling uh, and then the Thursday, Friday, Saturday again with this being Easter weekend with uh, with a road trip to Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I mean, we uh, got a good game tomorrow. Grambling has been playing well, so we'll have to come. I think we beat them 2-1 last year, so you got to come out and you got to compete and you got to play and, and feel good, and then, as we roll through this, getting to Tuscaloosa, we need a good weekend. I mean, they're good. They've been they've been top twenty five most of the year, but in everybody in our league for the most part. And so, um, you know, we need a statement weekend to keep building some momentum. And this team's getting better. I mean, you may not always see it, but 
we're getting better and getting healthier. And, and if we can get on a run, you know, um, I told our, our guys today, there's about six or seven teams in our league that wish they played better right now the first three weekends. I promise you there will be one of those teams in Omaha when it's all over because somebody's going to get hot and somebody's going to keep playing better, just like it's happened year after year after year. It's just a tough league. And um, when you do get it going and you do get playing good, um, it's hard to stop somebody. And that's our goal. We're, we're out here today. I'm in the middle of practice right now trying to, trying to make our team just a little bit better for tomorrow's game. And that's all we can control right now. I, I promise I'll let you go after this. What gives you the confidence to say what you just said, that this team is getting better? Not just the, the way we're playing. I mean, we, you know, like I said, we're, you know, we gave up a, a late lead yesterday. We got to figure out an arm or two, but I, I, I feel like we can play. And I'm sorry. I, I, I know a lot of people disagree, but then we have some special players. And uh, have we played well to start? No, but um, there's a long season left, and we just got to get going. There's been teams, you know, all across the league have done it for years. So uh, I have confidence that if we can get healthy and get going that we can put together a good staff on the weekend. And that's the key for us right now. We've just been we've been short three, four, five guys at times and and you know, it's just harder to pitch that way. You know, now that we're getting some guys back and getting some innings out of them, I think they can help us. Thanks so much for your time. Have a good rest of practice. Thank you. Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach at Mississippi State. Uh kind as always to uh, give us some time, but also when he can't talk. That's I mean, and and good luck trying to get your voice back when you have to continue to be vocal. Yeah, like every day. I, I was gonna say, like his voice didn't sound a whole lot better today than it did on Saturday. So yeah. I mean, you know, he's just it's a struggle. And I think I caught the post game interview maybe Friday night with with Jim Ellis, and that's when it was first. Mm-hmm. Like there was nothing there. Yeah, I was like, ooh, yeah, ooh, that's tough. Yeah. Because, like you said, I mean, you're constantly talking. Yeah, it's like it would be like one of us losing our voice. Can't, you know, especially with him, he can't he can't take a day off work and just say, ah, can't talk today. I'm uh, I'm not coming in. Yeah. All right. So you heard what he said there at the end. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a big statement when he says, "I think this is a good." Uh, I, I don't want to mess up exactly what he said, but basically, he believes this team is getting better. And I asked him what gave him the confidence to say that, and he said, we've got good players, we're pitching better, we're getting healthier, or, or not we're pitching better, but we, we can pitch better. But what do you make of that? He there, better believe truth, that, by the way. Obviously, that you know that, that's his job. You know, they are getting healthier. I mean, this will be the first weekend, because you know, Bradley Lofton didn't pitch last weekend. They expect him back this weekend. So now you've got a weekend with Gerangelo, Kate Smith, Gartman, Dome, Lofton, all healthy, all, all available to you. That's good. That's that's five quality guys to choose from. You're hitting the ball okay. I mean, Dakota Jordan coming back and, and, and finding his stroke is huge because he's got the highest ceiling of anybody on the team. Kellum Clark and Hunter Hines are hitting the ball well. Those are your two big power guys. So I get what he's saying. I just don't necessarily know that I agree with him because I don't know that this team is going to play better. I don't I don't I don't have a lot of confidence in that. Yeah. This is kind of one of those let it play out deals, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like you don't have to believe it. Maybe you can't believe it until you actually see it. But he's right about the Now, I don't know if he's right about there are half a dozen teams that haven't played very well the first three weeks, and one of them is going to end up in Omaha. We'll wait and see. 
We're going to have to wait for a while to, to find the answer to that. But he is right in that every year there's a team that doesn't play very well early and gets hot and makes a run. And we've seen it twice here in this state, right? At least twice. We saw it last year with Ole Miss. Yeah. We've seen it with Mississippi, with Mississippi State. Yeah. Teams that were struggling early in the year that end up in the postseason or as far as Omaha. So, good conversation with Chris Lamonis on the Farm Bureau guest line. We'll get back to winners and losers after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Stuff Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. When you go there, scroll down, and you can check out the link for the Double Decker Arts Festival. You can find the full music lineup, and you can now shop online as well. As uh, there is an official apparel provider for the Double Decker Arts Festival this year, it is Be Unlimited. And uh, they've got merchandise available for you to purchase in advance of Double Decker. So you can get your T-shirts, you can get your hats, you can get your uh, your coffee mug or your koozie or the artwork poster uh, for this year or for last year. All of that is available online at DoubleDeckerFestival.com. You can get there by going to VisitOxfordMS.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky. Brian Haydad coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios, continuing winners and losers. And we're going to go to the ceasefire text line for a bunch of yours. Uh, loser, the umpires at State's softball game on Saturday. And by the way, uh, there was another person who had winner in here is Tyler Bratton who is a longtime assistant coach on the Mississippi State softball team, first base coach. He absolutely lost his mind. I mean, he went full-on Lou Pinella slash Tommy Lasorda, ripped the first base bag out of the ground and chunked it, face-to-face, chest-to-chest, shoulder-to-shoulder with the umpire all the way across the diamond. Gave him the what for and the who's it and the who's what and the whole deal for an extended period of time. And um, I don't know exactly why he was mad. So there's a rule in so, where if a runner leaves base before the pitcher releases the ball, that runner is out. And the play that follows is null and void. Like, dead ball start over. Well, there was a ruling that the runner on first left over, left early. Mississippi State hit a home run. The whole thing played out. Both players went all the way around, touched home plate. 
and then they ruled that the runner had left early, or at least that's when they made it known that the runner had left early, took the two runs off the board, sent the batter back to the plate, and Tyler Bratton's veins began to pop out of his body. It was tremendous. He, he, gave, he got every cent of his money's worth on that ejection. If you're going to get ejected, you, you might as well just let him have it. It, it, it was kind of funny. We were... We're up there in the press box on uh, Saturday, and Tyler Bratton tweets something from the baseball game. We're like, why is he here? What's, what's he doing here? Because <laughs> he's not realize. allowed to watch his game anymore. He's not allowed to watch. He's not at the softball game. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was you know what? Like I said, if, if you're going to get ejected, give him the what for. Do it. So what? ultimately, what was he angry about? Did he disagree that the he runner he, left early? Yes. He did not think he, the runner he disagreed left early. that the Yes. Yes. Did they go back and have a video review? And I don't know that they have video the right review, call? but I have no idea. Okay. I have no idea and to my knowledge, I mean they, they, they kept the they kept the call, so I assume. You know in baseball there's like an extended argument suspension, like if you stay on the field too long after you're ejected, you get ejected for another <laughs> game as well. If that is in K in the in place for softball, he may miss another month. And then I'm curious if there's any sort of a fine structure in place because if there is, he's probably going to get one it. of those also. What I find, and, and this is not the first time Tyler's been ejected. I always find it interesting that he's the one that gets ejected. It's not Samantha Ricketts, the head coach. They send and, Tyler out there to to get the sacrifice. And hey, Dad, the other thing is. Normally, if an assistant coach starts talking to an umpire, you'll see the head coach like shot out of a cannon to try and stop it, get in the way, you know, shut mm-hmm. it down. Yeah. Nope. No. Nah. So, uh, that was a winner and a loser. Winner, Angel Reese, LSU Lady Basketball, Taste of Clark's on Medicine. Is it bad for her? Losers are everybody who complains about it. Let the student-athletes play the game and enjoy it. Taunting comes with sports, sets energy, also mind games, intense situations. All right. We got another message that said, Loser, all the morons complaining about Angel Reese having the nerve to celebrate. Who are all these people? Who are they? I mean, it's been a conversation. It's the Twitters. All day today. I mean, I just saw during the break it. The, that show on, on Fox, Speak for Yourself, uh, Emmanuel Acho saying that all of the backlash that she received was clear evidence of gender and <laughs> racial bias. And it's like, what backlash are you talking about? Where is all of this backlash? Who? Oh, I'm sorry, Keith Olbermann, that absolute lunatic? Is that really, like, the person that is causing everybody to have all these think pieces about? The guy that, what, he's in his 60s and lives alone in an apartment in New York and just records YouTube videos of just his face all day? He's a psychopath. Dave Portnoy said something, so therefore everybody thinks that? It's bizarre. It's like sports media is creating this controversy out of nothing. It's, it's who? where is this backlash? On Facebook comment sections? You, you can't get Facebook comment sections to agree that the sun's coming up tomorrow. Like, oh, this backlash is a sign of... Where is this backlash that, that is everywhere? Because the only thing I'm seeing everywhere is the people responding to the backlash that doesn't exist. It's weird. 
Like, it's like they want there to be backlash, so they respond to backlash that isn't there, other than psycho Keith Olbermann. It's weird. I didn't know that Keith Olbermann had gotten involved in this. Yeah, he, he called her a effing idiot on oh. Twitter. But but that that is a very look-in-the-mirror statement from Keith Olbermann. He's an... I, I grew up watching Keith Olbermann on SportsCenter. It's a shame what he's become. But he's a lunatic. Yeah, he is. And so because he, he said something like... It's weird. It, the, this... The the think pieces all day today responding to the backlash are I, I don't understand it because point me to the all of this backlash that she's getting Twitter I get backlash on Twitter and I'm a nobody Twitter gives backlash to literally everything I'm talking about people that matter nobody that matters said anything negative about what happened in that game which drew 9.9 million viewers on average by the way. It's massive. Yeah. Um, That's like NBA Finals number. Yeah, big number. It's big More than number. the Sugar Bowl and the Orange Bowl. Wow. And that's what women's basketball was looking for, by the way, because they want to separate the women's tournament contract from everything else. Because right now you've got the women's college basketball tournament and like all of the other sports that are not football and men's basketball, lumped into a single media rights package that ESPN's got the rights for, and they want that stripped out of it. And 9.5 million viewers will be their argument for why it should be. Hmm. Also, may we point out, and I mean this in the most respectful way possible, as an employer of mine, when ESPN gets behind an event, and pushes it and pushes it and pushes it and pushes it, the event has the ability to grow. And that's what ESPN has done with the women's basketball tournament. That's what they've done with women's college softball. Can you imagine if ESPN decided that it cared about college baseball as much as it does about women's college basketball or women's softball? And they pushed they it. call Ravage. What more do you want? If ESPN decided that it cared about college baseball as much as it does about the women's tournament and the women's college world series and pushed it the way that it does with those, college baseball could see the same type of growth. And it's almost, it's, it's really seeing growth in spite of not getting that type of promotion. They, they don't so. even promote college football that well. Honestly, when you think about how much college football not in the way they, they own, could. yeah, not in the way they could, yeah. and not in the way they should, honestly, with how well it does in terms of, of viewership and how much of it they own, the fact that they spend more time on the NBA, which is it just pales in comparison, will always Can you imagine blow my if mind. ESPN covered college football the way it covers the NFL? Hell, even just the NBA, if they covered it the way they cover the NBA, yeah. I mean, you think college football is healthy and wealthy now? Imagine if they got the Kevin Durant treatment. Uh, Dakota Jordan is a winner. Hitting the loft with that bomb on Friday was a highlight of the weekend. What was it, 487 feet? Is that right? Seven. 487, yes. That is a uh, long a way. 
Hey, Dad goes on the winner's list. It takes a lot of guts to admit that you watch wrestling and soccer. <laughs> that was really more man than most. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Let's go. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. to be sure that we got this in in uh, winners and losers. This was winner Saltillo Baseball for helping Amory after the storm damage they suffered. This was a um, I don't know if this is a Twitter post or a Facebook post, but this was from Amory High School. Words cannot describe the love outpoured to us from Saltillo Baseball today. Fed our baseball team, donated all proceeds to our baseball team, made us all feel love. Thank you so much for everything. Hashtag Amory Strong. So, very cool there. Very cool to see schools in the area coming to uh, coming to the aid of uh, of Amory in their time of need. And uh, it was scary Friday night. We had another round of storms come through North Mississippi, and I think there was uh, one lost uh, one life that was lost in Pontotoc County, and uh, storm damage there as well. Lafayette County, where I live, Oxford was. And we we did the whole pull everybody out of bed and put them in a safe place for about half an hour on Friday night. And I don't know that normally I would have done that, but given the previous week's events, it just felt like, yeah, I mean, better safe than sorry. Um, yeah. And, you know, saw what happened to Little Rock on Friday as well. Just just awful, awful stuff. Um, Loser Anheuser Bush get woke go broke enough said I missed that I'll explain it to you during the break okay um, has nothing to I'll do though go with out the... I was gonna say I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that Anheuser Bush won't go broke anytime soon seems unlikely. they could come out tomorrow and you know throw a Joe Biden party and they would they would still people would still buy Bud Light. Um, loser Don Staley for calling out media for saying her players were thugs, not because of the way they play, but because they are black. She plays the race card at every opportunity. Okay. Um, shout out to Gordon Sargent of Vanderbilt for being selected to play in the Masters this week. Pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. College baseball in the state of Mississippi is the biggest loser. Missouri baseball sweeping Tennessee and then now being swept in consecutive weekends. They are a loser. Derek and Greenwood sends us a a picture of the SEC standings, the Western Division. Sorry, I'm struggling a little bit today as well. Uh, And says, losers? And he's got one of the, uh, the, the brothers in the Argyle sweaters picture, the hand on the shoulders. Will Farrell and who's that? Will Farrell there? Step Brothers. Okay, it's from Step Brothers. 
Who's the other guy, though? I can't remember his name. John C. Riley. Thank you. There we go. You're, you're welcome. Dave says, I like Southern Miss winning another series. That would be, by definition, Southern Miss a winner. So very good. Um, Nan from Hattiesburg. I want to read this. On the girls' national championship between LSU and Iowa, there is a need to be reminded of sportsmanship. There was no excuse for the way the two LSU players acted after the game in front of the Iowa player who was so successful during the entire tournament. Also, you as a player never need to scream out or talk in a loud voice when being interviewed. That is Nan from Hattiesburg. And that's an opinion that, Nan, a lot of people have. But there are a lot of people that absolutely don't care and will point to the fact that Caitlin Clark did the exact same thing waving her hand in her face, which is like a form of taunting celebration that became a thing somewhere along the way. And it means you can't see me, you can't stop me. I'm wrestling. John Cena. You can't see me. But uh, that's the thing, right, is, uh, you know, she she dished that out a lot. And when you have taunts, when you talk and you get beat, people are going to do that back to you as a general principle. I mean... I don't know why it's so complicated, or, or maybe it is, or maybe people disagree with me. Like, if my son comes up in sports and, and he does anything good, I'm going to remind him at every point, if you do something well, like if you play baseball and you hit a home run, you put the bat down, you run around the bases, and you high-five your teammates. That is all you do. Winning and being successful is enough for you. And if your opponent talks, if your opponent does whatever, let them, and you beat them. If you're pitching and somebody flips his bat, Strike him out next time. Or don't give up a home run. That's how I'm going to raise him. Winning and being successful is enough. You don't have to do anything else, and, and you you do not do anything else. But to the victor go the spoils. If you don't like what Angel Reese does when she beats you, number one, don't do that yourself. Don't taunt people yourself, and it won't get thrown back in your face. But two, don't let her beat you. If you don't want somebody taunting you when they beat you, don't let them beat you. And if they do, you put your head down, you say good game, and you conduct yourself differently when you win. I don't I don't understand why it's so complicated. You know what I don't understand? Why people care so much or so like yeah. other than the fact that you're just like looking for a reason to be outraged about something? It's like if you don't want your kids to do that, teach your kids not to do that. If you want them to do it, teach them to do it. I mean, hopefully your kids are learning from you and their coaches and not from who they watch. That may be a little Pollyanna, but nevertheless. All right, College Football Fix coming up next. Hey, guys, what what the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. o'clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. We are three hours and ten minutes away from the tip-off of the national championship game. UConn and San Diego State. Not a lot of people had those two teams matched up in their national championship game in those brackets that we filled out uh, a few weeks ago. Somebody, by the way, is going to win our bracket challenge. We'll tell you about that tomorrow. You want to be a part of the conversation 
we would uh, we would love to hear from you on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Give <clears throat> your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from ceasefire business. Backed by world-class IT professionals who live right here in Seaspire country, you can check them out online at cspire.com slash business. Join the entire Super Talk Mississippi team tomorrow at Sally Kate Winters Family Services in West Point from 6 until 6. We'll promote Child Abuse Awareness Month. Stories throughout the day will be coming about the organization, and we'll give you an opportunity to make donations that make a difference in the lives of children that need the services of Sally Kate Winters Family Services. And one other thing, country music superstar Morgan Wallen is coming to Oxford. And through this Friday, you have a chance to win tickets. Enter your name at one of the registration boxes located throughout the state at places like Weathers Auto Supply in Corinth, Little Caesars in Brookhaven, or at Tack of the Town in Hazelhurst. Full list of uh, places that you can register this week through Friday at supertalk.fm slash Morgan Wallen. Pair of tickets to uh, sit in the suite and see Morgan Wallen at Vaughn Hemingway Stadium on Sunday, April 23rd. It's all brought to you by First South Farm Credit, King's Daughters Medical Center, Jumpstart Test Prep, and Toyota of Brookhaven. Let's get into a little college football fix. Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. It's truck month. is coming to an end. Check out the deals available on the best-selling Ford F-Series. 46 straight years as the best-selling truck in America. Test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Scrimmages, kind of. Controlled scrimmages, scripted scrimmages, in Starkville and in Oxford this weekend, and the black and gold game in Hattiesburg this weekend. Southern Miss is close to wrapping up its spring football. They had a practice this morning. Their final practice of the spring will happen tomorrow morning in Hattiesburg. We'll talk with Luke Johnson some tomorrow about the the black and gold game from Southern Miss football. Um, But, guys, thoughts on what happened this weekend? In Starkville, in Oxford, as you've seen, read, heard, listened to, examined, etc. Hey, Dad, anything from uh, from Mississippi State's weekend scrimmage that stands out? What two weeks from Super Bulldog weekend? Yeah, I'm pretty pretty standard. You know, obviously it's a transition period with the new offense, but they showed a lot of the potential. You know, Will Rogers looks comfortable. Is what people are saying, and that's a good thing. You know, you would expect that, but the fact that they, you know, they're putting a little bit more on him in terms of what they want vertically, and he's able to deliver that. That's certainly a good sign for Mississippi State. And then defensively, they're just trying to figure things out in the back end. They've got so many new faces back there. You know, when you lose three starting safeties and you lose your starting cornerback, you got you got a lot of work to do in those in those things. Luckily, you're good up front, so that should give you some. Uh, some help, but they've got to find the, you know those guys at the safety position, and they got to find that other corner to go alongside to Cameron Richardson. Are you more confident in Will Rogers in this new look offense than you thought you were going to be at this point? Well, what I would say is this: that that state last year showed that when they ran the ball effectively, they they that they were 
tough to beat. You know, and that Rodgers, when you when you give him some support with the running game, can be a quarterback that can be dangerous at times. So, yeah, I, I would say that the offense makes me confident that Rodgers is going to be okay because I know State's going to run the football and they're going to not put everything onto his shoulders. One final thing. How does uh, 11th place in the EPL standings feel? Not great. Okay. I just, but just, new just, coach on the way, so. Oh, well, by, by all means, uh, then. That's me. He he kicks lots of never, goals. Never, never, uh, never cheered for a team that changed coaches twice in one season, but what a, what a joy, joyful ride this is. I was watching the, uh, the post-practice-slash-scrimmage press conference video earlier today, a bunch of coaches mm-hmm. talking about players and stuff. And th- this is the internet in a nutshell for you guys, okay? I'm not going to say that the commenter's name, because I'm not trying to dox anybody, but a commenter under the video said this, I don't think Rodgers will be the starter by week three. He's so slow, he's the least athletic quarterback I've ever seen. He should have went into the draft. Okay, bad grammar aside. Whoa, the, yeah, 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 wait, wait, yeah, exactly. Wait, whoa, whoa. Yes. Um, let, it, let him say it. Yes. Let him say it. Generally speaking, one plus one is two, but in this case, <laughs> one plus one don't equal no two. <laughs> Bad grammar aside. He sucks. He should go pro. Yes. This guy said the quarterback sucks. He's going to lose his job to who? By week three. And because of that, he should have gone and played in the NFL instead. Or maybe he was thinking XFL. They, do they do a draft? I don't know. I. Have to get back to you on that. So, ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you the internet, the paradox of man. <laughs> All this had a scripted, controlled scrimmage. It was a thud scrimmage, not one where people were being tackled to the ground. It was like you know, you just kind of make contact and they blow the play dead. Uh, as has been the case for most of spring, the offense appeared to be kind of ahead of where the defense is. Uh, reports that there is a lot of teaching going on, uh, but you can't teach personnel, and the defense still needs more of that. As Pete Goling works to install a new defense, you had three quarterbacks that played, even though Borky is convinced that Spencer Sanders actually only has one arm. Um, he did throw some, clearly not 100%, but, but threw it some, and with some level of effectiveness. Moves around a lot. Uh, reportedly, all three quarterbacks have been pretty good. Jackson Dart seems to have taken a pretty significant step forward. The reviews of Walker Howard continue to be glowing. And Spencer Sanders did some good things, but he's not 100%. Yeah, and the the question is going to be, when will that be? When when will the one hundred percent looks come? Because as yeah, we talked I don't about, have an answer for that. Sorry, right? And, and listen, Lane Kiffin's just gonna hope that he's he's back and and ready to play soon. Um, uh, Turtles walking is more electric than a Lane Kiffin press conference sometimes. But uh, that that's the the question is when when are you going to get the one hundred percent look of of Spencer Sanders? Because based on some people that I talked to that were there, they they said. And with the caveat being that scrimmage happened on April 1st and games don't get played until September. So, that I mean, there are a, there's a long way to go before the season begins. But the general sentiment was one is significantly better than the other. 
And that's not fair because one hasn't practiced much because he's and he's still apparently not 100%. But how long can you go with one being clearly better than the other before you just go with the one as opposed to keeping a competition open for however long? Because as you guys know, a, a team does gravitate towards their starting quarterback. That person does become kind of, by default, the the, t- the leader of the team, the person they gravitate to, the one that sets all the off-season workouts, the one that organizes like hangouts and all that stuff. I mean, all of it. And, and it's hard to unseat that guy. And, and the fewer opportunities that happen to do that, it, it's, it's a weird dynamic right now, but that apparently Jackson Dart looks better. And, and looked a lot better than his competition on April 1st in the first scrimmage that wasn't a full scrimmage. So context, of course, is needed. Um, also heard the same thing you did, that it, it appears that Pete Golding is still doing a lot of teaching, understandably so. It's a new system. There are eight practices into the new system with new faces as well. So it's new guys on a new team with a new system, eight practices in. Probably a lot of teaching going on. And everybody loves the Priestcorn kid. Just loves him. The tight end, Caden yeah. Priestcorn, the uh, the transfer from Memphis. That's your college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll take a quick timeout. Schedule to visit with Mike Bianco from. Ole Miss baseball in just a few minutes. We'll be right back. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome again to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. It's time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line, as we do every Monday at this time, to visit with Ole Miss head baseball coach Mike Bianco. Team went on the road this weekend. Lost two of three to Texas A&M. Lost six eight on, or I'm sorry, eight to six on Friday night. Got a big win, fourteen to seven on Saturday, and then they lose five to four yesterday. Coach, kind of a, a mixed bag of results this weekend. You get your first SEC win. I know it was nice to get that over with, but now you'd like to try and stack up a bunch more of those. What, what do you take away from this weekend? Oh wow, uh, it's a good good intro there, uh, Richard. You're very kind. It was a tough weekend, you know, uh, again, you know, third weekend into it. And, you know, to think that we're just coming away with our first victory, you know, it's, it's kind of, that's a, that, that's a tough pill to swallow. But, uh, you know, on the positive end, you know, I thought, you know, we, we could have or should have, you know, won, you know, any of the three games, you know, Friday night, you know, we have a lead four, three in the seventh, uh, then, you know, lightning comes and rain, 
then we have to go to the bullpen, and you know the game changes, and we end up losing eight to six, as you mentioned. Uh, we swung it really well, you know, on Saturday, uh, get a get a win, and then on Sunday, you know, we get off to a three zero start, and uh, they tie it back up. And it, you know, then it just we we kind of sat there offensively, didn't do much, and uh, you know, end up you know losing in a walk off. So, you know, uh, the the good news is that you know uh, we're good enough to win these games. We just gotta we gotta do what it takes to win them. The bad news is we we haven't done that, you know. And I think over the last two weekends, you know, there's there's been several games, you know, you know much different than the Vanderbilt weekend. The, the the last two weekends against Florida. You know, uh, you know, against Texas A&M, I think we could have won any of the six. Unfortunately, we we only win one of them. You said after the game on Friday night that that you were taking the blame for the pitch call on the on the grand slam that that you were trying to sneak a fastball in. This question isn't necessarily about that pitch, although I guess it kind of is. When you're building game plans and looking at your pitchers and hitters and trying to decide what to call and when to call it, how do you how do you do that? Is it is it feel? Is it background scouting report stuff? Is it gut? Kind of walk me through that. I think it's it's all of that, you know. And and, and so basically, what happens, especially let's just take it for for example, a weekend series. Uh, one of the things that will happen is I'll I'll get uh, video on their hitters, and I'll get them for the Friday night game. Uh, from all their at bats, you know, we have access to all their at bats, you know, this year. Well, even, you know, if we want to go back now as far as last year, but what we'll do is we'll try to find, a, you know, some comparable pitchers to Jack Doherty, uh, right handers that throw, you know, low to mid nineties, you know, slider, change up type guys, uh, you know, higher three quarter, you know, uh, arm slot. And, uh, and I'll watch that video. I'll watch how other people attack them. I'll watch what works, what, what, which doesn't work. Chris Cleary does it along, not with me, but, you know, obviously on another computer. Uh, and then we gather scouting reports and then we look at the analytics. We look at, you know, what they swing at first pitch. We look at what, what they hit better. Do they hit breaking balls better? Do they hit fastballs better? You know, um, and then kind of devise a, a game plan against each hitter. And, uh, you know, live, love I let the guy that ended up hitting the ball. We beat him with plenty of fastballs early. He hadn't even seen a breaking ball. Uh, you know, the, you know, the scouting report against Morell, obviously, is he throws a ton of breaking balls and he was about maybe the fourth hitter that, uh, Morell threw to. And so, uh, we just tried to sneak a fastball just to show him, try to, try to speed him up. And obviously, you know, bad, bad choice. You went to the bullpen in the second game of the series, and I feel like Braden Jones is kind of a new name. Uh, and and you told us, I guess it was last week, that you know you're kind of searching for guys to to step up and and take some ownership on the mound. Tell us a little bit more about him. Well, Braden, you know, is a redshirt freshman. He, he's pitched, and the reason that you probably aren't as, as familiar with him is, you know, most of his appearances have been in the middle of the week. And uh, but he's got good numbers. Um, you know, I'm sure he'd like his walk numbers to be a little bit lower, like just about everybody on our staff. But but for the most part, his numbers are pretty good. And but most of the most of those outings have been against non-conference uh, opponents. Well, he threw. Uh, I'm not sure in the game can. Canceled on Tuesday against Southern Miss, but 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 threw well and looked you know, looked good, and we knew that you know he was probably the next name up in that situation. Early 
in the game before maybe you wanted to go to Morrell or, or, or Nichols later in the game and brought him in and, you know, throws a fastball low, low nineties and even threw some balls in the mid nineties, you know, against Texas A&M. Really good slider. But the most impressive thing is, you know, in a place that's maybe not the easiest to pitch, you know, one of the tougher, you know, opponents parks that we play in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, he, you know, he threw, the, uh, you know, threw a lot of balls in a strike zone, 70% strikes with both his fastball and slider. So really impressive. And, you know, another piece that, that we're going to need. So, you know, really happy with it. Xavier Rivas had been kind of your most consistent guy over the last few weeks, maybe not as sharp yesterday. Was there anything different with him that you saw or just kind of happened sometimes? It happens sometimes, and it really not as not as sharp. More because of strike, you know, strike, you know, uh, strike percentage. He, you know, he's one of those where when you look back at pitch per pitch, strike percentage wasn't bad, but you know, he had some bad walks. He had, you know, he had, you know, he had one inning where you know he uh, started with you know back to back walks. Those those two runs scored. Uh, when he was in the zone, he was good. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately for him, you know, he did, you know, he walked too many guys, he walked five in, but giving up four runs. Proud that he hung in there, you know, because we needed him to hang in there and give us a little bit of length anyway, you know, pitched into the sixth. You know, and so probably the first weekend in a long while, though, even though we got a pitch better, you know, every starter, you know, pitched into the sixth inning, you know, the last weekend. Kind of a compressed week uh, with a, a road game tomorrow night, just at Memphis, but a road game nonetheless. And then you go Thursday, Friday, Saturday because of Easter weekend with Arkansas coming up. Um, how much strain does that put on you when when it's Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday versus a normal Friday, Saturday, Sunday weekend? Well, yeah, uh, for this staff, probably puts a lot more strain than normal, just in the sense that, you know, we just don't have the depth this year with some injuries, and, you know, we haven't pitched it as well, obviously. We talk about that every weekend, but, uh, or every Monday, but, uh, but with Grayson Sonye, you know, a guy that's, you know, pitched, uh, what, five, you know, uh, Saturdays in a row for us going tomorrow night. Hopefully he can give us some length. And, uh, you know, we can, uh, you know, pitch it well on, uh, on Tuesday. Uh, the better that you pitch on Tuesday, the better it is for you on the weekend. But at the end of the day, you know, we, we, we just got to play better. And so, you know, you know, I don't know if we're looking so much at how many games or who we're playing. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a tough couple of weeks. We, we, we need to get back in the win column tomorrow night. It feels like you and Dave Van Horn have coached against each other a hundred times in the last 20 years. I don't probably know that pretty, that... probably pretty close. Yeah, I, was gonna, I don't know that it's that far off. Um, I think it's in the 80s. Do you get excited about facing a guy who is as accomplished as he is? You've had your success. It's a series that's gone back and forth. There have been high stakes games where, you know, division titles been on the line, league title hanging in the balance, Omaha, College World Series, the whole deal. Does that excite you as, as a coach and as a competitor? I don't know if I would describe it as exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing he wouldn't, you know, describe it as that as well. Probably not. Uh, um, uh, very competitive. I think probably a, a, a shared or mutual respect for for one another. I mean, they're terrific, and they've been really, really good the last you know four years or so. And 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 really for the seventeen, eighteen years that Dave's been there, he's you know one of the not only the best coaches in the country, but one of the best coaches you know uh, over the last probably you know twenty five years in college baseball. So um, you know, yeah, we've had a lot of lot of you know. 
great you know weekend matchups with them and obviously culminating last year and you know playing them three times in a college world series but they're they're really good and uh you know again you know i haven't looked at their stuff but you watch them from afar and you know they just continue to win and figure out how to you know different ways to win and he's done a, you know, a great job there Get started on Thursday night at six thirty. First, though, it's Memphis tomorrow night at six on the road on campus, uh, not at AutoZone Park, which is a little bit different. Mike, thanks as always for your time. Appreciate you visiting with us. Thanks, Richard. It's Mike Bianco, head baseball coach at Ole Miss, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. So Grayson Sonier will start tomorrow night for Ole Miss in that game at Memphis. I don't know. I think Memphis really wanted that game to be played on campus. I don't know how excited Ole Miss is about going to play that game on Memphis's campus as opposed to playing it at AutoZone Park. They had the TARP fiasco a couple of years ago, and people got their feelings hurt about that. I, I don't know. Seems like if you're going to play that game in Memphis, you, you play it at AutoZone. I don't know what the future of that will look like. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. Thanks to Mike Bianco, along with Chris Lamonis and Scott Berry, for joining us as they do every Monday on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. We'll be back after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of... um, Sports Talk Mississippi. You can uh, you can shop at genteel retailers like Randy Price and Company in Hattiesburg at uh, thirty eighty eight in Hurley, Mississippi. Chandelure in Ocean Springs, SF Allman in Gulfport, plus locations all over the state of Mississippi, including the Jackson Metro area. Delta, North Mississippi, and more. You can also check them out online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel is, uh, again, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. They've got the collegiate collection that can help you look your best on game day, regardless of the sport. Get your Ole Miss and Mississippi State polos, pullovers, and more online at genteelapparel.com. A lot of genteel out at the uh, community Easter egg hunt this weekend. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the, the the pastel colors were looking nice, even though it, it wasn't Easter, it was just the Easter egg hunt. But still, I, I noticed that the logo. Sunday weekend. Yeah, I, I noticed the logo on the, on the back of a, a bunch of shirts uh, where they sit. Nothing brings out the worst in, in some people. The event was great. Then an Easter egg hunt, though. What parents let their kids do to other kids during an Easter egg hunt was mm. mind-blowing to me. 
It, like, it, without checking them. You, you know, kids are going to be kids, right? The, in the three- and four-year-old section of the Easter egg hunt, some of those kids are going to do things that you, you don't want them to do because they're three- and four-years old. K- kids will be kids, right? They're, they're going to be loud. They're going to scream. They're going to they're gonna do stuff. It's parents watching their kids do that and then doing nothing about it mm. is what blows my mind. We're still a, what, five days from Easter, six days from Easter, mm-hmm. and I have been a part of three Easter egg hunts already. Nice. Two, <laughs> two, two were at my house this weekend. Um, we had the, the, the Tri-Delt Alumni Children's Easter Egg Hunt at our house on Saturday. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Richard. <laughs> I would have loved to have just seen you exist at the Tri-Delt Alumni Parents Kids Easter Like for the people <laughs> that live in and around in Oxford that oh, are alums, like yeah. for all their kids. It was it was fine. I, I'm sure it was a great time. It's just... <laughs> Dude, I was just kind of like hanging out on the back porch. Let them do their thing. I mean... I, have all a glass of like, whiskey or two. It concealed in the like Yeti. Clean up the yard and make sure... <laughs> Trash bags are moved around. Uh, and yeah. then yesterday, Jane had a uh, an Easter egg hunt last night for the girls that work at her store. So it was like a grown person's Easter egg hunt. It put many bottles that. in the eggs? College girls, right? Uh, it's a mix, uh, yeah, mostly. mostly. And like 10 bucks here and there? Pay for some. Yeah, like there, there were some, you know, some dollars in some eggs and then some yeah. gift cards in some eggs. I think they had fun with it. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. Um, Love a good adult Easter egg hunt. And then there was the um, the Bramlett Kindergarten class Easter egg hunt this morning at Avent Park. I went along for the uh, the walk from Bramlett to the park for that. So a lot of hunting of eggs yeah. that I've been around. I, I've not hunted or hidden an egg yet, which is kind of a goal. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it all the way through without actually hiding eggs, um, but so far so good. Did... Uh... In any of those three Easter egg hunts, mm-hmm. a parent watch their child full stiff arm another child out of the way to where the child hit all fours, and not only did they say nothing, they kept recording, and then when the kid picked up the egg, told him good job. Did that happen? Well, my question is, was that your kid that got shoved, and if it was, did you go get in the other kid's face and be a parent since uh, that I, kid's parent chooses I, I, not to actually I mean, be I'm a parent? I'm not getting in the face of a three-year-old, but uh, there were some. I, I didn't get confrontational. I just said, hey, man, are you kidding? And he goes, oh, my bad. And then, like they, it, it was chaos. There was hundreds of kids, and they kept going. Hey, Dad, would you get in a three-year-old's face? Tell him what's up. A three-year-old's no, but the three-year-old, three-year-old's parents, yes. Clearly, there's not enough parenting going on at home. Uh, no, no. All right, we did get to ride Thomas the train though, which if was any. the highlight of the day. Well, that's good. That's good. James, big train guy. Big train guy. All right, so I need to. I need to understand. Look, if you're the person, just just save your text. Save your text. Thought this was a sports show. Nobody cares about wrestling, blah, blah, blah. I get it. We do it like once a year. So I tune in to the Twitters last night, and it appears that most people hated the way WrestleMania ended. There was a lot of, this was two great nights of shows, and it ends on a terrible note. Vince McMahon is the worst. I can't believe Roman Reigns, I think it was Roman Reigns that won, 
You know, it would have been much better story if it had been Cody Rhodes, who I learned was the son of Dusty Rhodes, who's a wrestling guy, I think, also, um, or was. Uh, you know, hey, Dad, I mentioned this to you, and you're like, well, I told him it was going to be that way. So right. was it a terrible ending? Was it awful? Would people just no. want something about which to complain? <clears throat> I, I think people there's a little there's a little uh, people being tired of Roman Reigns because he's coming up on a thousand days as champion. Oh, oh, this is no different than when we talk about uh, Game of Thrones ending badly. It's a TV show, guys. We're just talking about how a TV show is written, and some people have a problem with it. Um, I thought Reigns was going to retain because a I don't think Cody Rhodes is the right guy to end that streak. I don't think that he's a big enough star. I don't think that's a good enough ending to the story. And also, I think that WWE is smart enough to say a thousand days is something we can market, we can brand, we can sell shirts to, and for. May I interject? They're going to get to a thousand days. Yeah, go ahead. I, I read in the um, in the somewhat news story about the merging of WWE with UFC, which is owned by Endeavor. Mm-hmm. That it, that turns it into a twenty-one billion dollar company. Way way down in the story. Um, WrestleMania did $1.3 billion in revenue. They're yeah. good at marketing and making money. That's the only reason. What? Borky, $1.3 billion in revenue attached to WrestleMania. I mean, I like don't know how much the tickets were. Like, yeah. just the weekend. Uh, yeah. Hold on. I'll, I'll, let me... I, would, I mean, if not this weekend, last year, I mean, it's a WrestleMania number. That, that's a re- re- reasonable number. That is insane. I mean, they had, they had crowds of over 80,000 for both nights at, at SoFi. So, I mean, and those tickets are not cheap, especially the good ones. Yeah, but that's um, not how you're getting to 1.3. It's because no, it's not. I mean, they need everybody. Well, there is no pay-per-view money anymore. It's it's WWE Network. Oh. I pay I pay for Peacock. Okay. So, but regardless of that, um, so for me, I never thought Reigns was going to lose. I, I think I think that there are three people who, if they could beat Reigns, and I'd be like, okay, that's that's the way it should go. And those are The Rock, who I don't know will be willing to come back and do that, but that's the the natural ending to this storyline. You have the other guy who's his cousin, who's also The Rock's cousin, Jay Uso. They've built that into the story. And then you have Seth Rollins, who is never, who Reigns has never beaten. Those are the only three guys that I'm going to be like, okay, makes sense for them. I never bought it with Cody. I always, th- I still think of Cody as an AEW guy. And the idea that Vince McMahon was going to let a guy who walked away from his company, then built another company to compete with him, come in and win the world title on his first try, you're, you're fantasizing. It was, it was never going to happen. So I don't know why people are so bad, long story short. Okay. Uh, we get a couple of texts about this. Delaney Brandon says, now that is cross money. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if your net worth you has a grow- B in front of it, if I had to guess. Uh, you need to get the uh, the Vince McMahon must- mustache. He's, he's got the Zorro stash working right now. Uh, somebody said that was an epic match. He dyed match. his hair the same color as yours. It was. It was a really good match. Wish I had a pencil-thin mustache. That's what he's got. Uh, how would you rate... Snoop Dogg's people's elbow. Hey, Dad. <laughs> it was it was fine. It was funny. It was funny watching him do it. Of course, he had to because, like I said, you know, Shane McMahon blew out a quad 
and they had to come up with something on the fly. And thank God you had a legit entertainer and Snoop Dogg there who realized what was going on. I was like, all right, I got to I got to step in here. Wait, so the, and, so and put something hold on, hold on, it wasn't scripted for Snoop Dogg to like. No, no, Are you sure. Snoop, Snoop, yes, because yeah, they, they, they they didn't script for Shane McMahon to blow out his quad. What I'll if that was that. fake too? Yeah, hey. No, no, it's not. You go watch the video and you tell me that that guy didn't injure himself. He, he they had to carry him out of the ring. He, he's mm. hurt. So, so he says, as a non wrestling fan, I think Shane McMahon blowing his knee out was the highlight. Quad knee. Whatever. I couldn't tell if he tore his ACL, his Achilles, or his quad. He, I just it was something. Somebody else says Snoop saved the match. Yeah, he did. Uh, McAfee was there on Saturday night. Was it two separate crowds of 80,000? I read a story about people being trapped inside yes. SoFi Stadium. <laughs> I haven't heard that, but yes, there was 80,000 both nights. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll be right back. Listen to that work. That work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. All right, we're crowning a champion tonight in men's college basketball. San Diego State 32 and 6 on the year. UConn 30 and 8 on the year. Tip off at 8:20 Central Time. Connecticut is a seven-point favorite. You lay in the seven, by the way. I lost probably. It. Okay. No, no, we're here, we're here, we're here. Okay, you're just I had to for think a for a second. Yeah, probably so, yes. Yeah, UConn's been dominant. I mean, if they They've been really take good. care of San Diego State the way they have everybody else this tournament, I mean, it might be one of the more dominating runs in the history of the tournament. I mean, beat Iona by 24, St. Mary's by 25. Arkansas by 21. And it was worse than that for a while. It was like four, it got to almost 40, right? It seems like 31, 32, something like that. Either way. Beat Gonzaga by 28. They were trying to become the first team in NCAA tournament history to beat all five of their opponents leading into the championship game by 15. Miami wouldn't cooperate. They only beat Miami by 13. Yeah, most dominating run of all time, then. If they do that again tonight. Yeah. Definitely going to be up there. Uh, uh, we have yet to mention how San Diego State got there, by the way. How about the wherewithal as a coach to, to trust your team and not call a timeout in that situation? Everybody in that shot. moment screaming, timeout, timeout, you got to set up a play. No, sometimes the chaos works in your favor if you've got a guy that can do what he did. 
Jim Nance set it up beautifully. San Diego State doesn't have its best scorers on the floor. Two seconds left, little crossover, gets to an open spot, mid-range, bottom of the net. By the way, Jim Nance's last NCAA tournament game tonight. Yeah. Who's going to get the tie? I don't know, man. He might give it to himself this time. For all of the jokes that people have made about Jim Nance, he's really good. He's the best. 37 years. And flies to Augusta. Yeah. It's a good job if you can get it. And then when he's done with Augusta, he'll fly home to his house at Pebble Beach. Yeah. Do golf for the next Drink few- some wine from his vineyards and. Yeah. Call it a day. Where his where own his vineyard line? vine. His vineyard yeah. vines, Jim Nance collection. Where's his own. Yeah, I must say his own brand, yeah. Yeah. You know. And he's really good, and he seems to be a genuine person as well. Really, really good. Truly. By the way, I, I know this is a quick non segment. There was an eight game segment of the year where UConn was really bad in the month of January. They lost their way. They lost on December 31st to Xavier, January 4th to Providence. January 11th to Marquette, January 15th to St. John's, January 18th to Seton Hall, and then January 25th to Xavier. And since then, they've only lost twice. A three-point loss to Creighton uh, and a two-point loss to Marquette. That's it. What I'm hearing is uh, don't let the Huskies get hot. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Don't let Dan Hurley's Huskies get hot. Hey, Dad and I, both, speaking of basketball, both of our NBA teams, the league messed around and let them get hot, buddy. Uh, we, are, we are cruising uh, right now simultaneously. Uh, Just cruising. Oh, it's going to be some words eating on this program if things continue. Wait, is, is the Lake Show going to get the little cute little play-in tournament? Oh, the Lake Show is going to be the five seed, there, brother. There's a chance that um, it got, with, with the two of them, it might come down to the wire to skip the play-in between the two of them. Oh, yeah. wow. How about that? Yeah, it's tightened Don't up. Don't let LeBron get hot. And they, they're they're the hottest two teams. Don't they let are. LeBron get old. Oh, wait. wait. Brother, he ain't get, he's getting old like wine. Oh, is he? Is he? Yeah. Is he back playing or is he still taking a little uh, time management or right? Load management. He's playing. He's playing, brother. Uh, that's, that's Had a triple-double yesterday. It's good. Grizzlies you love it. I just really Do don't they? care. Yeah. Grizzlies are playing well, yeah. They're, they've won eight right. of their last ten, and they're ten games above five hundred in second place in the West and have already clinched the division. Yeah, they're good. Good for them. National Championship. Two hours and 20 minutes from tip-off. Enjoy that. Tomorrow we will be at Sally Kate Winters Family Services in West Point. You don't have to check your clock if you hear me talking at 6 in the morning. I'm going to sit in for Paul Gallo tomorrow, and then uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow afternoon from 3 to 6. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studio, I'm Richard Cross. Good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.